Good morning. Welcome to Emmett Audio. It's a cold, rainy day. Come on, dogs! And uh, this is part of the March Virtual Apprenticeship Challenge series, <clears throat> as you know, because you clicked on it. So where we left off yesterday, we were at the point where we were defining the inner rim of the spoon bowl. And from this point on, we're going to transition to what I consider finishing cuts. So finishing cuts for me in the spoon bowl almost always involve going from the tip of the bowl down into the main part of the bowl. And to one extent or another, sweeping around the back shoulders of the bowl. Um, <clears throat> the reason I do the, the sort of parallel lines, parallel with the, the handle of the bowl for the, these cuts in the, in the uh, parallel with the handle um, for these cuts in the bowl is that you feel the, the tool marks that are left by this kind of cut are much less noticeable in your mouth because as you pull the spoon out of your mouth, um, you just, they're, they're running parallel in the direction that you're pulling and so it's not like they're, your fingers bumping up and over a bunch of them. Which would be the case if you um, made a bunch of small cuts across the spoon bowl. So this is where you really want to get off of, if you're, if you're a one-trick pony just carving across the spoon bowl, this is where you want to get off that because you can do much bolder, cleaner cuts going from the tip down into the center. And what I do is I often combine those cuts going from the tip down into the center and then instead of trying to exit going straight up toward the neck or trying to exit or leaving it attached, not trying to exit and come in from the other direction, what I do is I, at the end of that cut, I will swirl the hook knife around so it's going across the grain and have it exit that way. Um, think of it as forming like a little J. Um, so you're coming down from the tip, down to the middle, and then right where it seems like you're going in the opposite direction of the grain, squirrel the knife or twist the bowl with your other hand, right? It can happen. It's probably, for me, happening from both hands at once. But the effect is that the knife swirls across the grain and is happy to exit. So that takes care of most of the bowl. There is one little quadrant which when you're holding the spoon up with the bowl facing up for, for righties is going to be that, la that left hand shoulder or the right hand shoulder if you're holding it with the handle facing up. And for that you need to come straight down in from the rim and ease your way through that cut. Try and exit without making a big deal about it. There's a couple other sort of scrapey cuts that you can do to try and clean up the little transition between the two, but really the bottom line is um, that sh that quadrant needs to be treated slightly differently because you can't really come down with the grain and then swirl across it. It doesn't work well that way. You have to approach it differently. So coming down straight down from the rim, using the curvature of the knife to sort of match the curvature of that inner rim is the, is the way I do it. Really, all these cuts are just, they're, they're sort of lighter versions of the cuts I made previously. All the same directions, grips, etc. It's just done a little more delicately as I'm trying to achieve a nice curvature. Because curvature really is the most important thing to achieve here. Your mouth will detect 
a bump, not in the, not like a not like a tool mark, but just a, a a bump where you didn't get the curvature right, much more readily than it will detect a tool mark, by which I mean a little ridge raised between two cuts. So it's worth paying attention to that. And the the two most common places to not do enough are, um, well, I guess there's not two most common. It can happen at the sort of the center of the tip. That's common. I think because it's a little slightly awkward to get the curvature right there. Um, but it's pretty common for me to get a spoon from somebody and realize they, they should have done four or five more cuts right there in the middle to sort of get the curve just right. And instead there's almost a bump in the middle. It can happen on either side towards the rim where you just don't do quite enough or it can happen in the back shoulders. In any case, it's it usually comes from not doing quite enough. Now particularly with eating spoons, there is no substitute, I have found, to actually putting the thing in your mouth. You can feel it with your fingers all you want, but the instant you put it in your mouth, you're going to tell right away if it's if you've gotten it right or not. So at this stage, I'm putting it in my mouth. You know, not like a sloppy put it in my mouth, but like my lips over my teeth, I put it in my mouth, and I can feel right away if... Uh, if it needs more um, and where and so at this stage I'm I'm carving it until it feels right and for cooking spoons I'm I'm not putting it in my mouth but I'm carving the inside of the bowl until it feels right with scoops or or things where I'm really going right to the depth of what the hook knife can do it's slightly different I am uh, come on dogs let's go back I am going basically until the hook knife starts to form chatter marks, and then I'm expanding that inner rim just slightly so that I can get under those chatter marks, and uh, and then I'm done. In all of these instances, the commonality is that I'm finishing the inside of the bowl first, and then I'm going to trim the outside, the underside of the bowl, so that the thicknesses are exactly what I want. It's very difficult to get it exactly right if you do the opposite. If you do the outside just right, getting the inside just right to match it is harder than flipping it the other way, the way that I do it, where you do the outside last. So once I get the inside exactly where I want it, I will do a little micro chamfer right where the inner rim meets the curvature of the bowl itself. Now, you could do this with the tip of your Sloyd knife, but you'd always be at risk of digging the tip of that knife into the bowl itself much easier to just use the hook knife that you've been using all along, which, because of its curve, won't pose the same risk of digging in. This micro chamfer, needs to, you need to make this cut from the tip down to the sides and from the neck down to the sides on each side. And it's as delicate a cut as I can make it. Come on, dogs! Listening for a potential car. I don't hear one. Um, and the way you make it delicate is you just let the weight of the knife do the cutting. It's much more of a sort of a scrapey cut than an actual cut cut. And by letting the weight of the knife be what determines how deep it goes, that's much easier to keep consistent throughout the cut. If you are applying any pressure at all, even just a light pressure, any tiny fluctuation in that pressure will show up as a difference in thickness of the micro chamfer. So the easiest thing to do for consistency is to simply 
pull the knife across as a scrape. Let the weight of the knife determine how deep it goes and keep it as tiny as possible. You want, excuse me, you want to do this because that micro chamfer is gonna soften that inner rim. If you don't make this micro chamfer, particularly on eating spoons, you really feel it on the sides of your mouth as you pull the spoon out, that sharp connection between the rim and the curvature of the bowl is super apparent. So once you get the bowl completely good, um, then it's time, and let me think, is there something I need to say about, um, oh, let me just back up real quick to, I'm not sure I said this yesterday, but part of re-carving the rim with the Sloyd knife right before you get to what I started off with today, is this is your chance to sort of get the neck transition just right. And for most people, the trick is to push that neck down deeper into the shoulders, to basically to carve away some of the shoulder. And this is the stage to do it at, right before you do those final sort of curving, finishing cuts in the bowl and defining the rim and all that. When you are doing that final carve of the rim itself with the Sloyd knife, this is your moment with a little thumb push coming straight from the handle down into the shoulders to depress those shoulders down. And what that's gonna do is it's gonna have the effect of making a much nicer transition from the neck to the shoulders. This is something that people ask me about all the time. And that's really the secret. My spoons look like your spoons right up until this point. And at this point, because I pushed those shoulders down and because I've left enough thickness in the rim back there on the shoulders to be able to do that, uh, I get a much cleaner sweep and curve, more elegant curve to the line of my spoon. But you gotta do it at that point, which is also why it's important not to overcarve the keel on the back of the neck um, until the very end, because you, you never know quite how much you're gonna need. So let's fast forward again to having completely finished the spoon bowl. Um, if your hook knife is not quite up to snuff and you're gonna strop it, strop it before you do these, these cuts. Uh, strop it, you know, right as you're, right before you're gonna do those sort of defining the inner rim cuts. Cause this is where you want as clean a finish as you can get. Now, before you carve the back of the bowl, this is your chance to sweeten up the silhouette of the spoon when looked at from the top, the plan view. And usually, if you've done a good job of sort of pulling it in gradually, you don't need to re-carve the rim itself. What you need to do is just with tiny little cuts, just take down the, little, the obvious high spots, the obvious bumps. Do as little as possible and just don't try and get it perfect, but just try and reduce the height of those bumps and it will make a huge difference if you do that sort of all around the rim, just sort of take off the, take off the tip of the bumps. Um, and this is the only place where I let myself do a potato peeler cut going around the rim in certain instances uh, because it's so important to be able to see exactly what you're cutting because you're not trying to recut the entire rim, you're just trying to take down a little spot. I do a potato peeler cut for the tip of the bowl and one of the back shoulders. Um, 
So once you've done that, um, it is now time to carve the back of the bowl. And for the back of the bowl, this is the last chance. The way I think of the cross section of the bowl is that I want it to be thickest, right in the belly of the bowl. That's the thickest point. And I want it to taper outward to the tip and outward to the sides evenly. So that my thinnest point on the bowl is the rim. Now it's gonna be a little thicker at the tip of the bowl because looking at it from plan view, you've left the rim a little thicker there. But it's not gonna be thicker when looked at from the profile. It's gonna be the same as the sides. Um, and again, I start with the center um, line because that defines what you see when you look at the spoon from the side. And I try to make long, smooth cuts. Usually this starts by having to make smaller cuts. And what happens is you create a facet, you create another facet, then you try and join those two facets, and then you try and join that longer facet with another facet. And at around the three or four facets in one cut mark, you start realizing that you're smoothing everything out to the point where you can start making these longer, smoother cuts. Now, a couple things to bear in mind when you're doing this. You want to be using the, the base to medium part of the knife, not the tip, to be making these cuts. And you also want to have your hand choked up further on the spoon bowl than you think, probably. If you're having a hard time getting long cuts, you need to get your hand closer in to the action and then stretch your hand back out of the way to grab the cut as far back as possible while still being choked up. The third thing that's important is my knife, which usually has the blade of the knife, the edge of the blade, uh, pointed right at my main set of knuckles on my, on my hand, instead has, it's twisted in my hand so that the edge of the blade is pointed right into the center of that first junction of the finger, sort of right towards where my wedding ring is, right in the middle of that first segment of finger. So effectively what it is, the edge is sort of cocked up away from the spoon bowl. What that means is that if I want to engage the edge and really lean it down into the cut to make that curve, I need to deliberately extend my wrist to make that cut happen. And if I am not paying attention, my wrist will return to a natural neutral position and um, and the knife will disengage from the wood. That's a safety stop, not for your own health and safety, but uh, in terms of not messing up the spoon because it keeps you from diving deeper into the wood than you intend. If you're not paying enough attention, the knife will disengage. Um, and, and that's a good thing. So again, I start in the center and I push long facets towards the tip. This is easier done on a, something small like an eating spoon than on a cooking spoon. And then I gradually work my way from the center out to the rim. It may be worthwhile defining the rim before you work from the center out to the rim, just so that you don't overshoot the rim. But, um, but we'll have to see. Uh, you'll have to see as you, as you carve it. You know, Use your judgment about sort of how confident you feel. I don't. I just go from the center and work my way out, sort of blending these long facets, and that's how I create a nice curve on the back side of the spoon bowl. And look at it. Look at the spoon bowl from the front and the back to get a sense of whether you're being consistent.
That's it for today. Tomorrow I will take you through the final steps of micro chamfers and uh, taking down the back of the keel. Um, and we'll take it from there.